Hello, and welcome to Dialogue in Dermatology. I'm Dr. Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. We have another exciting podcast for you today. We hope that you enjoy. Welcome, everybody, to Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Terry Cronin, and I'm talking to Dr. Matt Avram, and we're talking about career development, and I got hired, and now what? It's such an honor to talk to uh, Dr. Avram. Matt, are you there? I'm here. It's great to be here. Uh, I hope things are going well with you and glad to be a part of this. Well, it's, it's a funny time and I'm glad we're able to do this interview over Zoom. But uh, I've got a lot of questions for you, but I think our audience, of course, knows that you are the current president of the American Society of Dermatologic Surgery. You're on staff at Harvard Medical School and Mass General, and you're a very well-known expert in lasers and dermatologic surgery. I think you're a past president of ASLAMS as well. I mean, it's just a great honor to speak to you and get your advice on our young dermatologists and what they do when they finish their residency. One of the things they want to know is tips on how to prepare for their first job. Can you tell us about your first job? Yeah. So my first job actually was working at Mass General. I was fortunate enough to be hired as the, the director of the laser in the cosmetic center at Mass General. And I think the most important thing for my first job is, it's interesting looking back when I was a resident and when I was a fellow, I had the sense of I'd gone through this long path of education and training and you kind of feel like, okay, I've learned everything and, and then you get started. What you learn when you start is that you learn much more going to work every day than you did in all of your training. So number one, I would say is you have to remain a student. That's very important. And particularly in cosmetics, but I think in any field of medicine, you have to be prepared not to be very busy and to use that time to do things that will enhance what you're interested in doing with your career. For me, I was really interested in, in lasers and patient safety. So um, I used that opportunity to write papers and to speak with colleagues and be involved in academic pursuits. And I also used that time when I wasn't seeing patients to develop uh, relationships with potential physicians that would refer to me, you know, speaking to primary care doctors and plastic surgeons, people in other fields that could help support my practice when I wasn't very busy. And that's the time to do it. There's an excitement about it. And so the first thing I would say is congratulations. And it's an exciting time, but work hard and Think about what you want to do with your career and use that time because you know what? It doesn't get easier as you progress in your career to, to get time to do things like that. So work really hard when you get started would be my best advice. So you touched on, you did a fellowship first. So right out of yes. residency, you did a fellowship. That must've been an important decision. What made you make that decision? So yeah, it was, you know, it's interesting. I did a fellowship that was Mohs Micrographic Surgery and uh, Lasering Cosmetics. And I really was doing a Mohs fellowship because I was intending to go into private practice with my siblings in New York City. And, you know, it'd be nice to have a Mohs surgeon there. And I like surgery. I thought it was very interesting. I did my fellowship work really. And the reason I did that was I wanted to be a true expert in this. You know, one thing, and this is just a personality trait, I wanted to really feel like I had an expertise in something. So I did the Mohs fellowship. And basically throughout the year, the cosmetic stuff didn't really interest me. And then at some point along the line, I got interested in fat and I kept running into Rock Sanderson, who is part of the faculty where I did my residency and spoke with him more and more. And then he talked about 
my maybe coming to Mass General, running the laser and cosmetic center. So then I started getting much more interested in the laser component of the fellowship. So, you know, life takes you in funny places. You think you're going in one direction, then you go in a completely different one. But the fellowship to me, you don't have to do a fellowship to do cosmetics. But I feel that that extra year of training and understanding about interacting with patients, learning about complications, learning about the various technologies, what works and what doesn't to me was was very valuable and made me more confident when I got out into practice. Matt, can you put on your ASDS hat and tell us about the cosmetic fellowships that are available? Absolutely. So this goes back about seven to 10 years now. Mitch Goldman was president and he and I really worked on getting fellowships going. And it made sense because the people who are doing the Mohs fellowships felt like they really want to concentrate on the cutaneous oncology surgery, that aspect of it. And we wanted to get an effort going to get cosmetic fellowships. So what we did was we just saw that there was a need for something, realized that there was more and more expertise involved to do all of the various procedures that are developed in, in uh, laser and cosmetic dermatology. And they've grown manifold over the years. And to establish a means of getting extra expertise in that area with the idea of starting small, coming up with a program to do that, and then over time growing it, and then eventually having an ACGME fellowship. We started with five fellowships and, and six fellows. We now have 37 fellows in the ASDS fellowship. So it's grown tremendously, and that's been a great asset for us. Matt, one of the things you mentioned was that you, you had some plans, and God led you in a different direction yeah. than your plans. Uh, can you tell us a little bit? You didn't start off thinking you were going to be a doctor, did you? No. You know, it's funny. I'm in a family of five siblings, and my father and my mother are a physician and a nurse, and three of my siblings are physicians, dermatologists, and my wife's a dermatologist, but I had other plans. I went directly to law school from college, didn't want to have anything to do with medicine, practiced for three years in corporate law, particularly the, our main client was NBC and actually Stratton Oakmont, for those who have seen the Wolf of Wall Street, that firm. So I had a very different career. And, you know, I just didn't feel like that was what I wanted to be doing with my time. I worked very long hours. And I decided that what I really wanted to do is be a physician. So made a complete change and went to the Bryn Mawr post-baccalaureate program because I hadn't taken any of my pre-medical courses, pre-accepted to uh, medical school, Thomas Jefferson in Philadelphia, and then pursued it was a 10-year course from leaving my law firm to seeing my first patient at Mass General. You know, I don't want it to sound too touchy-feely, but when you work really hard, it really makes a difference to identify what you do and find meaning in it. And I just felt like what I was doing, I wouldn't read about it after work. I wasn't necessarily very excited about what I was doing. And I was dealing with people's disputes. It was actually companies' disputes for the most part. And I think the way I looked at it was, this is what I do most of my time. I'd rather deal with people trying to help people than dealing with business disputes and people arguing about things that ultimately were mostly business things. So it really does matter that you deal with patients and you help people. And I love reading about dermatology and doing things regarding dermatology outside my normal work hours. So it makes such a difference. Again, it may sound a little touchy-feely, but it makes all the difference in, in being happy with what you do most of your waking hours. 
I think it sounds inspirational. Thank you, Matt. Kind of leads into our next question about mentorship. Were there mentors? You mentioned uh, Rox Anderson mentoring you. I know you mentor so many people. What do you think about someone in residency finding a mentor and helping them for the future of their career? I think it's absolutely essential. And I've had some great mentors in my career. My fellowship director, Gary Lask at UCLA, was a tremendous mentor for me and many others. And then there are people you just kind of meet along the way that take an interest in you. And, you know, it's great to have someone give you good advice and give you good direction. And it's also good to have people who see an interest in what you're doing and can guide you along the way. Another one is Bill James at Penn when I was a medical student applying for dermatology. And this ended up having a lot to do with my career decision going to Mass General, he really thought that an interest in fat was something that he encouraged. And he was very instrumental in me getting involved in that he's not a cosmetic guy at all. But uh, there are so many people along the way. So what I would say to residents is find someone who's interested in what you're doing. And to the extent I've seen our own residents or our own fellows, my colleagues, there's usually someone at some point in your career who touches you in one way or another that really opens your eyes or opens doors for you that lead to things that you want to be doing. So let's just change directions real quick. In your first day of working, when you finally are working as a member of the faculty and you're seeing patients, how did you assess staffing? And were you able to understand a lot of criticism people tell me about whether it's working in academics or PE is that you don't have the ability to hire and fire staffing. And so there's a little way that you have to interact with them to get them to work best for you. Have you had a problem or do you have any pearls to tell uh, young dermatologists how to interact with staff to get the best out of them? Yeah, that's a tough question because if you don't have that control, you're, you know, I hate to use the term leverage, but your ability to shape behavior is limited. So I think the first thing to do is I remember before I got there, I sat down with the staff and I had each one of them come to my office. We have nine staff at the laser center and I had them come to my office and I had a half hour and I said, I want you to tell me everything that you like about the way things run here. That's good about this center. And then tell me everything that you don't like about this and had them tell me what was important to them. And I think that was important because they seemed a little surprised where at a big institution have someone actually take an interest in what they had to say. And I was fortunate enough to go to a place where there was experienced staff. And I think that helped. So I think reaching out to the people you work with and understanding them helps. Also, I think if you have a certain practice style, it's important to communicate that with people. And, and, you know, the other things I think are obvious is just treat people with respect and communicate appropriately with them and encourage uh, people when they do things well, and just always have your door open and be accepting of criticism, I think is very important as well. Matt, you touched on how you had to interact with the local doctors in your community that ended up giving you referrals and stuff. How important is it for a a graduating resident to get involved not only in their national society, whether it's the AAD or the ASDS, but also their local state societies. I think it's very important because those are the people, that's your peer group on multiple levels. Number one, you want to know what your colleagues are doing. You want to know what other people in your community are doing. First of all, you may end up working with or for one of them at some point. People change their careers, but it's important to know what's important. You know, there are times where issues come up. I can tell you with COVID, one of the major issues that came up, and I was president-elect, was in Massachusetts, we had a law that spas could do cosmetic work, but medical physicians could not. Okay, now, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that, that's a law that just makes you scratch your head. But had I not worked very closely with our local societies, 
and not even just our specialties, other specialties, that would have continued for weeks. And that would have been a major problem for us and also just a very bad signal. So I think it's always very important to work on matters that pertain to your patients and to your standing as uh, physicians within your community. But it's important to get to know the people you work with and you learn a lot from the people in your community. And the more you talk to people, I think the better dermatologists you are in the And in terms of running your practice or being productive in your practice, you learn a lot from speaking to your colleagues. Matt, we're running out of time. Do you have any pearls that you want to offer a newly graduated resident? Yeah, congratulations. You're in a great field. And one of the great things about dermatology is there's so much opportunity if you have a passion or an interest that if you really feel strongly about or you really invest in that you can become an expert in and become a leader in. Our field is small enough and dynamic enough that if you have an interest, you can create things for yourself. So if you believe in something, work hard to achieve it. And there's so many great things about dermatology. You can do surgery, you can do medical, you can do derm path, you can do the cosmetic stuff. So phototherapy, whatever it might be. So just take advantage of all the diverse fields that we have within dermatology and get excited about it. We're very lucky to be in this field. And, you know, you hear noise about things in terms of private equity and big hospital systems and all that. That's important to be aware of and to keep your eye on that, but don't lose sight of all the great things that we have. And if you focus on those things, you're going to succeed and have opportunities that I think are unique to our field. Well, Matt, thank you so much. This has been a really, truly inspiring conversation. Thanks to Dialogues in Dermatology, and I want all our listeners to stay passionate about dermatology. We hope you have enjoyed this edition of Dialogues in Dermatology. This is Todd Schlesinger, your Editor-in-Chief. For more podcasts, including bonus issues, check us out online at the website of the American Academy of Dermatology or through the Dialogues in Dermatology app. You can now also sync your subscription to your favorite podcast app. New podcasts are released each week in addition to our monthly JAD podcasts. We hope you enjoy these new options for listening to dialogues and the increasing content for your listening pleasure. Thank you.